Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen in the studio, joined by former Jets offensive lineman Damian Woody, who is an analyst on ESPN. And you might find him on Twitter spaces. Anybody talking <laughs> Jets football, D. Wood is the man. So I figured, hey, we got to bring you on board the official podcast. Great to see you. Uh, thanks for having me on, E. Uh, no doubt about it. So schedule release a couple weeks ago, you guys are in the unenviable position of going through each team and giving a record out game by game. You said for the New York Jets, eight and nine, a four game improvement. You think things are looking up for this team? Oh, absolutely, Eric. I, I, I love the, uh, the vision, um, the culture that, that, Joe Douglas, GMG improvement that they made down the stretch. It, it didn't, you know, it didn't quantify necessarily in wins, but you just saw how this team just kept fighting. And, and then to see the front office, uh, front office, you know, kind of supplement what was already on the roster with a, a strong free agent class and, and a draft class. And I think, you know, this has a recipe for a big step forward for the New York Jets this year. What's the challenge in terms of instilling a culture on a team that hasn't won in a long time. We go back to your days, and we're going to talk about that coming up. But as far as Robert Sala is trying to bring um, a different mentality, and you saw it last year, but now for the Jets, they got to take that next step and actually win more games. Yeah, it's a, that's a great, really good question. I think, you know, number one, you got to be a leader of men. Uh, you got to have the ability to have guys buy into your vision. That's the, the other aspect of it. Is you got to have a vision for what your program, what you want your program to be, and then I think the third thing is just a, a strong locker room chemistry, bringing in the right type of guys, guys with high character, high football IQ, to be able to execute that vision. And I think Robinson is the, is the right guy to do that. I think you saw, you know, him laying the foundation last year in a season where you know obviously there was a lot of firsts going on, first year offensive coordinator, you know, rookie head coach you know, a, a defensive play caller that hadn't been calling uh, defensive plays, you know, that long. And then obviously a lot of first and second year players, but the foundation was laid last year. And that's that's how you start to build a culture in the locker room. Uh, Salas talked, D. Wood, about closing the gap inside the AFC East. The Bills have won the division the last two years, I think an 11-1 mark inside the division over that time span. The Jets looking for their first division win under Robert Sala. I 
wrote the other day that I think there's going to be an interesting race as far as second place in the AFC East. Uh, when you look at the Jets and the landscape of the division, how has it changed this offseason? Yeah, I mean, think about what's going on in the, in the division, right? You got Miami Dolphins with a new head coach with Mike McDaniel. He's going to be a first-time play caller. And then look what happened in New England. Josh McDaniel, uh, the offensive coordinator, moves on to the Las Vegas Raiders. So you have change at, at a couple of the divisional rivals. And we all know what, with change can come some, you know, can come some adversity, um, you know, with those things. And the thing I love about the Jets is that their whole system is in place for a second year in a row, something that wasn't, it wasn't commonplace not that long ago in this organization. So you got a team in the Jets where you got, you know, the same offensive system, same defensive system, same coaching staff. And, uh, and then you just add, you know, adding on players, to go along with the nucleus that's already there. So that right there in and of itself is a, is a, is an envious position um you know for the Jets compared to the the other two uh the other two teams in the division in the Patriots and the Dolphins. What's the importance of OTAs from a team perspective? Obviously this is all still voluntary. So within the confines of the CBA players don't have to come. And Robert Sala has talked about having a different kind of pace. Well, pace is not the right word, but different kind of format this year. Not many uh, team sessions where you're going 11 on 11, more seven on seven work, installs, individual work. What can be uh, done during the spring that's very important for a team? Well, I always say championships are one in the off season. You know, a lot of people think it's the work that you're doing in the season, but Championships are one in the offseason, whether it be the weight room, meet, you know, in the meeting rooms, OTAs, mini camps. That's where you put in, that's where you lay the, the groundwork to in order to win those hard fought, hard fought games during the season. So, listen, I, I know the Jets are putting in the work. Um, I think what Rob Sala is basically saying with, you know, kind of, um, I don't know if, you know, letting off the, you know, letting off the gas per se, but I think the overall focus is making sure his guys are, are get to week one. Because ultimately, you know this, Eric, you know, that's what's really important, making sure you have your roster intact, all your important pieces intact in order to go out there and attack the opponent. So we saw what happened last year, you know, in the, in the offseason training camp with, you know, for instance, Carl Lawson going down with that ruptured Achilles, just making sure this roster is, is, is able to get through clean and unscathed and ready to go week one. What do you want to see from the Jets as a tackle position? Mackay Becton, obviously working out on his own right now. We'll have to see what happens this week. But Robert Sala has been clear about it, that there is going to be a battle at the left tackle position. George Fant did some good things last season. In a perfect world, what do you want to see from the Jets at the tackle spot? Well, listen, I, I can't, you know, I, I don't have my crystal ball as far as who's going to play where, where. But what I will say is, you know, once you get to – you know, mini camp and ultimately training camp, you want to kind of sort out this battle as soon as possible because you want guys to find their positions and then ultimately everyone, you know, start working on that chemistry and cohesion because, you, as you know, Eric, you know, the one thing about the offensive line, you got to get five guys to play, play as one. And you don't want a lot of – you don't want a prolonged battle at the left tackle spot. You want guys to kind of get settled in their spots so they can work on the, the, the communication between – them and, and the person adjacent to them and and ultimately just having that chemistry between the five guys who are going to be out there. 
What's the potential of this line, though, after adding Lincoln Tomlinson free agency? The Jets love Elijah Vera Tucker. He's going to slide over to the right guard position. Connor McGovern did a lot of good things at the center position. I think that went under the radar last year. He loves this system. Uh, and Fant was really a find, uh, highly athletic dude who was used all over the place in Seattle. And I know you have to love that considering your background. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this offensive line has the potential to be really, really good this year. Um, you know, you got a, a mixture of like high draft picks along the, along the line. You got a late bloom in, in George Fan who has like a basketball background, didn't get utilized all that much during Seattle. So even though he's, you know, I believe he's 30, he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tide as far as a lot of playing time. Um, and then, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, McGovern, who, who's, uh, who fits this system to a T. So, I think you got a really good blend of guys who, you know, I think everyone combined together, the, the sum of the parts can be really, really special um, if you get those guys settled in and, and taking a bunch of reps and, reps and being ready to go. What does uh, Zach Wilson's next step look like? We saw him take some strides down the stretch, particularly protecting the football, but the Jets will always say this offense is predicated on running the football. And we talk about the strength with the offensive line. Then they add a Brees Hall to the equation. You got Michael Carter. You got Tevin Coleman. You have Ty Johnson. You have guys who can uh, get after it in the run game. What do you think his next step is with more pieces around him? Well, I think for him, it's the mastery of the playbook, right? You know, just having to learning the nuances, the little things that can take his game to the next level. I don't think anyone can doubt his physical attributes. I think his arm talent is special. I think he's a very athletic quarterback. But in this game, in the National Football League, you win the games from the neck up. And so for, for Zach Wilson, it's, it's just mastering the nuances of Mike, Mike LaFleur's offense. Combine that with, you know, being a run-first offense and really getting his run game going, if he can do that, with the weapons that the, that Joe Douglas and company has surrounded him with, he can be he can be primed to really take a huge step forward this year. What weapon is going to make the most impact? Do you think? And, and I just talked about Hall, but obviously the Jets selected Garrett Wilson number ten overall. And then you've been very vocal about what you like at the tight end position because this is a dramatic overhaul there. I'm really excited about the tight end position. You know, it's been like a it's been like a like a, a wasteland for like a decade, to be honest with you, at, at the tight end position. And we know, and we know in this this system, this Mike Lafleur system, the tight end position is very it, it's very important. It's unique. It's a it's a you know it's a system that's very friendly to tight ends. So the Jets bringing in over you know C.J. Uzama and and uh, Con and Tyler Conklin over, and then and then drafting the you know the Rucker kid out of Ohio State. Now you have a totally different dynamic at the tight end position because not only are these guys, you know, uh, very good at being good run blockers, but just adding a dimension in the passing game um, for a young quarterback. And that's just so paramount, you know, for the development of a young quarterback is having reliable um, pieces at the tight end position. Do you think, I don't want to say blessing in disguise, because Tyree Kill is a great player, but now looking back at it, the Jets obviously made a play for him. Do you think this could work out in the end as far as a favorable situation when you're talking about cost certainty with young players? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and that's not taking anything away from Tyreek Hill. He's, he's one of the special plays, special players that we have in this league because he has something you just can't teach, which is, a, is an abundance of speed. But when, you know, 
with that type of talent, there's a cost attached to it. And, and we know that with that, that cost, that contract, some of the other moves that the Jets, you know, were able to make this offseason probably wouldn't have been made had they had traded for Tyreek Hill. So listen, again, I'm not taking anything away from Tyreek Hill because he's a very special player, but you look at the, all the moves in his totality, as far as the Jets concerned, you're talking about a very well-rounded offensive, uh, you know, offensive roster that has the ability to really be explosive. When's the last time the Jets had the potential to be this explosive at the wide receiver position? We saw Elijah Moore last year. He really got cooking before he headed to injured reserve. Joe Douglas reminded us all that Corey Davis was on pace for a thousand yards season, and he's a big bodied receiver. Garrett Wilson added to the equation. His production at Ohio State off the charts. Braxton Barrios back in the fold, and the Jets, by all accounts, the Wood are really happy as far as what Denzel Mims looks like right now. Yeah, Eric, you know, you know, our friend uh, Rich Mini actually passed this stat on to me, which was just mind-boggling. The Jets between Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and and, um, and Jamison Crowder last year, they only played 60 snaps together, which mm -hmm. is basically equivalent of one game. Think about that for a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. He basically played an equivalent of one game with all his top targets on the field. That's crazy. And so you think this year with the plan, the plan that, that, you know, Robert Sala is going to implement and trying to make sure his guys get, you know, get to week, week one healthy, being able to have, you know, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, you know, Garrett Wilson, all of these guys healthy and available, that is going to do wonders for Zach Wilson in this offense. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. What do you like most about what you're seeing on paper from the defense as far as the numbers concern the defensive line? You mentioned it before. Clean bill of health. That's huge for the Jets moving forward. If Carl Lawson is in the lineup week one against the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to be a big piece. They trade up for Jermaine Johnson. Michael Clemens added to the mix. They also re-signed Vinnie Curry. Uh, Jacob Martin comes over from Houston. So you got a lot of numbers up front. Or do you look back at the reshuffled secondary? What stands out to you most about defensively what the Jets have done here this offseason? Everything, Eric, everything. Because when wow. you talk about defense, and Coach Sala will talk about this, rush and cover go hand in hand, right? So the Jets actually address both of those. They are super deep at the defensive line position. Obviously, the headliner is getting called Lawson back, who was primed to have an outstanding year last year. And then, you know, unfortunately he had the Achilles injury. But him and him coming back and, and hopefully being healthy, plugging him next to Quentin Williams, you know, I've always said this, man, when you're surrounded by good players, guess what? It elevates your play. So I think Quentin Williams is going to have a, a breakout, you know, a breakout year this year. And then obviously John, you know, John, John Franklin Myers on the other side and, and Jermaine Johnson and, you know, Sheldon Rankers. This is a very, very deep room. I don't even know if all these guys would be able to make the roster. Is that, is that much competition in the D-line room? And then when you look in the back end, the second, particularly in the secondary, 
the thing I love about last year when they played all those guys, those young guys, you know, the Bryce, you know, Bryce Hall and and the Brandon Eccles and, and all those, you know, young defensive backs is now it has created depth because you draft mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner with the number four pick, you bring in DJ Reed, you know, through free agency via free agency from Seattle, Jordan Whitehead. So all those young guys got a lot of playing time. And now you're talking about a, a, a you know, a depth chart that looks totally different than it, than it did in, in 2021. So I'm really excited about this defense. I think uh, this is an opportunity for those guys getting these snaps in OTAs and mini camp and ultimately training camp to continue to bond and mesh together. And I think we're going to look at a much improved defense as well. Man, I am so happy you mentioned John Franklin Myers because we cannot forget his part to this equation. He got the uh, re-signing, got the new deal early last year, but uh, his flexibility and his versatility really can come to light this year, right? When you have that kind of numbers at defensive end, he can play outside, but then he can shift inside, and he's a big mismatch against most guards in the National Football League. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's where he can really wreak havoc, right? You know, you put in the work on first and second down and, and, and then on third down, the money down, now he kicks inside. And that's where the real advantage comes in. You get, and obviously you're getting your best rushes on the field. You're talking about a potentially, a, you know, Carl Lawson, Quinn Williams, John Franklin Myers, and then, you know, a combination of all the other guys, whether it's Jermaine Johnson, you know, Michael Clemens, you know, all Jacob Martin, all these other guys. And now you got guys just humming off the, you know, humming, getting after the quarterback. So this Jets defensive line has a lot of variety. You can mix and match it a lot of different ways. And most importantly, you can keep guys fresh because they have so much depth in the defensive line. Uh, CJ CJ Mosley was a team MVP last season. If anybody had any doubts on what he's still got left in the tank, all those questions were answered and then some. He's still one of the finer inside linebackers in the NFL. Let me ask you about Quincy Williams, though. What is his ceiling? I think he can be I think he can be special. This is a guy last year who has unbelievable athletic ability. We saw it last year, the speed. The, 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 you know, the impact on, you know, the, the, the violence that he brought as far as his tackling. But he, you know, this was a guy that came, you know, came to the Jets, you know, the latter part of summer, early part of the season. So he was still trying to figure the system out. He was running more on just athletic ability than actual the instincts of the linebacker position. So now giving him the whole offseason to kind of understand the nuance of playing linebacker in the system and learning from a guy like C.J. Mosley, now I think you're going to have a, a, a smarter linebacker, a guy who is, who is able to use his physical traits and physical true tools to the best of his ability. That will make him an even better linebacker. So I'm expecting huge. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton, is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? 
Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the – Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to like, you know – Lil Dirk, and you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you? T- why are you telling me the whole time? <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Things from Quincy Williams. Uh, how much have you enjoyed watching Sala and Joe Douglas go to work since Sala came on board in January 2021? It, it, it's really been refreshing because you know I talk about. The one thing I love is the synergy uh, between the two. It seems like there's a synergy between the front office and the coaching staff. And you hear it all the time. You know, Joe Douglas talks about what Coach Sala is, you know, has brought to the table as far as culture. And you hear, you know, Coach Sala talk about how Joe Douglas involves him in a lot of, you know, kind of like the player profile, player description, as far as the type of players that they want to bring in this in, into this program. So there is a tremendous synergy between the two. And what usually happens is that permeates to everything else within the Jets organization. So I think this is the first time in, in quite some time where you're seeing everyone kind of, um, you know, linked together and, and thinking of, thinking the same way within the organization. Do you take anything from the schedule? I know you went through the game by game on ESPN and said eight, eight and nine, and you think they can get on a second half run, but particularly – I wanted to ask you about the AFC North run with those first four games, and then the AFC East split, D-Wood. You have three home games before the bye against your division rivals, three road games after the bye against AFC Eastern teams. Yeah, you know, I would say the schedule makers didn't do the Jets any favors, but listen, if you aspire to be one of those, you know, to take that that giant leap, that's what it is. The schedule is what it is, but, you know, Eric, the one thing I would talk about as far as the schedule is concerned as a former player, you know, all we usually concern ourselves with is, number one, who we play week one, okay, and when, when is the bye. And I think the bye falls at the perfect time for the Jets. But you can't – when you always – you know, as players, we're taught to break everything down in quarters. We know the first quarter is going to be the whole AFC North, the whole gauntlet in the AFC North. And you just got to quarter by quarter try to win the quarter. If you can put together that – that's how you ultimately get yourself in what I call the tournament in the, in the postseason. Uh, and that's a great transition because I want to go back to you and your playing career with the Jets in one second. You played with a young quarterback and Mark Sanchez. Do you see similarities between him and Wilson or just totally different guys? I mean, obviously it's a totally different team, totally different situation, but I always tell people that Sanchez walked into one of the most unique opportunities ever considering he was an early first round pick great offensive line great running game uh, great running game historically good defense yeah that, that was a unique situation because you know usually when you're picking in the top five you're a bad franchise but that wasn't a case when mark sanchez was when we traded up to number five we were a good football team um, we had a lot of veteran players a lot of really good pieces in place so mark was in a kind of unusual situation where you know, he didn't have to be kind of the savior. You know, we, we were, you know, obviously that, you know, when he first came on, it was about running the ball and it was about playing really good defense and letting, and letting Mark Sanchez kind of, you know, learn on, learn on the fly. And I think, you know, the difference with, with him and Zach is, Zach is in a situation where the whole team is young, yes. right? The whole team is young. So you got 
a you know a, a young head coach you know who's in his second year you know young play caller on both sides of the ball um a lot of the critical foundational pieces are young so this whole operation is growing together and what you want is you want these guys to hopefully these guys mature together mature at a really good pace and that's how you have something special brewing for years to come if if, if that happens okay so oh wait Damian Woody signs a free agency deal with the New York Jets. What attracted you to the Jets? And can you talk about your start? Because there are some interesting names on that staff, including current Giants head coach Brian Dayball. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, um, you know, when I was a free agent, you know, I was really eyeing the Jets because obviously my relationship with Eric Mangini, who, which dated back to my New England days, he was the coach on the staff, and, and we was always – really, you know, really good, uh, really friendly and good, good friends. And, and I was, you know, during that time I wanted, I was craving for that, that flavor again, that structure, that, that program. And uh, Eric Mangini brought, you know, he brought that to the New York Jets and obviously, you know, Brian Dable was on that staff as well. So there was a lot of familiarity and, and I, I love the pieces that the Jets had already had on, on the, on the roster, a lot of really good young pieces. They just needed to augment it with a lot of, uh, with some veteran players, obviously myself, Alan Fanica came on that year, Tony Richardson, Calvin Pace. There were a lot of guys that the Jets brought in. And then um, ultimately that, you know, over the, over the next couple of years that led to back-to-back AFC championship runs, um, you know, during that time, during that time period. What would have made for a different ending in 2018? You guys were eight and three. You went to Tennessee. He was unbeaten you pounded that man 34 13 rushing for nearly 200 yards on the ground what would have made for a different ending i know it all turned out good because you made a transition and made it look seamless but i just wanted to ask you about the end of that 08 campaign yeah yeah unfortunately you know brett got hurt i think he had the the, the l it was the elbow shoulder one of those injuries and that really derailed us um because we were hot i, I feel like we were the best team in the league, to be honest with you. Um, we were absolutely hot. The, the week prior, we went up to New England, beat New England, and then we came back against our undefeated Tennessee Titans team uh, on the road and just really smacked them around. So we felt like we were in a great position. Unfortunately, Brett Favre sustained that injury, and it kind of, you know, tailspin that, you know, tailspin after that. But uh, that was a really good team, which, you know, actually it, it set us up pretty well. You know, because we go out, we, we get Rex, and Rex comes in, and he brings his own culture in with the veteran presence that we had. We draft Mark Sanchez, and we went on a nice, nice little run those, those, you know, for myself those next couple of years. So it, it was a really special time. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. What's your favorite memory from 09? You guys lose, and I remember this vividly, to Atlanta at the Meadowlands in week 15. And Rex comes out, talks to the media, and says, well, that's it. That's it. We're done. We're not going to be in the playoffs anymore. And then, of course, you go to Indianapolis. They sit their starters. 
you win that game, then the win in the ring against the Cincinnati Bengals, and you trash them, and then you get on that run in the playoffs, beating the Bengals, going to San Diego, and taking care of business against the Chargers before that season ends in Indianapolis. What stands out above all when you're talking about 09? Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of roller coasters, obviously, with the young quarterback who was still finding their way. I think against the man, like the the Atlanta Falcons, that was that was a tough tough loss in that game against the Atlanta Falcons. But you know, the one game that 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 it just really stood out to me was in the divisional round. We played the, the San, then San Diego Chargers, mm-hmm. and, and I believe that t- that team was really good. I think they were like fourteen and two. They were they they were like the Maybe the best, baby. I think the best team in the league. And we went out there. Nobody gave us a chance to win that game against them. And we went out there and just played our brand of football. We smacked them around, ran out, ran the ball all down their throat. Defense played played lights out. And uh, you know the one play that stood out obviously was Sean Green when he just busted the line and, and ran that. You know it was like a like a fifty some yard touchdown run. And uh, you know that kind of you know, that kind of sealed the deal, to be honest with you, in that game. So that game was was really special and really stood out for me. How special was it? Fourth and a foot, a minute nine left. You're holding on to that 17-14 lead, and Rex says, stay on the field, and you guys get two yards with TJ. Well, that's 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 typical Rex, right? Rex was like, you know, the one thing, one beautiful thing about Rex was he really consulted and believed in the players, and his whole thing is, Okay, if we're gonna ride with you, you gotta make it work. And so we're on the sideline, and Rex was like, Well, what do y'all want to do? And without getting, you know, saying any, you know, explicitives, we were like, Man, let's we're going for it. We we didn't come this far to, you know, to not go for it. And uh we just lined up and and uh ran our usual short yardage play and, and we got more than enough to convert the first down and ultimately ice the game. So it was just one of many special moments during that time, and uh we had a Really, we had an elite offensive line, elite backs, and uh, it, it was really fun playing that brand of ball. Do you think we're ever going to see a team like that again who played that way? Oh, man. It, you know, sometimes I think things happen in cycles. Yeah. But, man, it, it's just hard to envision things going back that way because of the rules and how it, how easy it is. To, you know, the league wants it to be a passing league because passing, you get the chance to score a lot of points. So, I don't know if you're going to ever go back to ground and pound and teams that, uh, you know, predominantly run the football like that. But man, it was it was fun from a, from an offensive lineman perspective. But I enjoy watching these young quarterbacks going out there and thrive on the football field. Yeah. Okay. So ten. What is your perspective there as far as that run? Because, dude, you were such a big part of that team, and you go down with the Achilles in Indianapolis. So can you? Take me through your mind during that time. Yeah, man. I, I you know, I, I was really excited about that team. I thought, I thought that team was a Super Bowl team as well. And uh, that wild card game, boy, it was, it was a great game going up, going up against Peyton Manning again. And in, uh, in the, in the, I think it was, I forget the building that it was in, but uh, man, that place was rocking. And and to be able to have that chance to. It, to uh, get a win against great Peyton Manning. And ultimately, you know, for me, unfortunately, I end up tearing my Achilles on the last drive of the game in a two-minute drill. But ultimately, we got the team win. It was a big win. And we knew that it would, it meant so much to not everybody, you know, whether you're talking about Jason Taylor, who was part of the, who was on that roster at that time, 
you know, LaDainian Thomason, and then obviously Rex Ryan, who was, you know, Peyton Manning always been a thorn in his side and be able to get that win against Peyton Manning was, was something special for a lot of people. I think that would have been remembered as one of the most magical runs in NFL history if the Jets had completed that deal in Pittsburgh. But for you, those two games, Indianapolis and then Pittsburgh, how did you take them in? You were so durable throughout your career, and then obviously Achilles during a situation where you were such a big part of that offensive line, and Wayne Hunter comes in uh, and takes your spot, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It, like I said, man, injuries are a part of the game. And unfortunately, you know, that was my 12th year in the National Football League. And things like that happened. Uh, but it didn't stop me from being the biggest cheerleader for, uh, for, for my team. And then they went, you know, obviously the Jets went on and beat, beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough. That's one of the, one of the biggest games in, in Jets history, going out there and get exacting that revenge in, in that game up there in Foxborough. And and ultimately, I think running out of time against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC championship game because, boy, man, it, you know, just talking to uh, guys, if, if guys say the same thing. Man, if we had like another three minutes, we would have won that game because the, the momentum was clearly on our side at the end of the game. So, you know, things happen, injuries happen. You know, I don't regret any of that. You know, that's just part of the game. But, boy, I was, I was really fortunate and blessed to be a part of part of the organization and in particular part of that, uh, that, uh, that locker room. How, how much did you enjoy being a part of hard knocks? You know, they go to different teams every year. Uh, our in-house documentary group or production group is putting together an unbelievable series. That's going to rival anything out there. Uh, new heights this year, jets flight, um, 2022 new heights it's going to be incredible it's going to be released june 17th here at the end of minicamp but for you from your perspective what was it like and the reaction that you guys got being part of hard knocks it, it was great man because we had it, you know hard knocks was tailor-made for that team we had so many characters obviously it started with rex ryan and and rec everyone knows rex ryan is a, is a character in and of himself but we had so many guys on the team you know, that was just, you know, really funny, man. And um, and the one thing that Rex talked about was like, look, guys, embrace this, enjoy it, like play into it. And so the, the whole crew at heart, you know, with the NFL films did a tremendous job of kind of blending in behind the scenes and, and just making the whole experience fun. And the whole team really embraced it. And, uh, it, it, you know, just talking to people over the years, everyone always mentioned that Jets team as the as as the best hard knocks season that they've ever saw. So we had a great time with it and I think the fans did as well. You grew up in Virginia, you went to Boston College, you were a first round pick. You won two championships with the Patriots. You decided to settle here in Jersey. Can you talk about what you like about this spot and then also your connection with Jets fans? Because we were talking about it at the beginning of this podcast that you constantly engage folks in such a positive way yeah yeah it's um you know when i when i decided to retire after the achilles injury you know my uh, my older kids were, were teenagers and i didn't want to move them anymore we really love new jersey we love the people here um you know so we just decided to plant the flag here and we've been here you know we've been here ever since and you know just my affinity for the organization i love the people in the organization 
Um, you know, and, and, and because I had such a great experience um, playing with the organization, I've, I've just, you know, this is a love there that, that I have for the, for the organization and I want them to do well. And I always tell people there, anything that I can do to help, you know, help further that along, I'm willing to do that. So um, I love the direction that this team is headed. I think they got the right leadership in place. I, I, I love Coach Sala and what he's brought to the table and then some, a lot of these young guys that are there. And, uh, you know, my hope is they th- that they take this next step forward um, this year and, and really, uh, you know, and really let the league know that, hey, you know, the Jets are back. Indeed, what he says, don't be surprised if the Jets are eight and nine playing a meaningful football games in December. What do you think that atmosphere is going to be like at MetLife Stadium 21 years after 9-11 when the Jets do, in fact, host the Baltimore Ravens for their opener, a game that you pick the Jets to win? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be special. It's going to be special, Eric, because, I, I, you know, obviously the date 9-11 and what it means to New Yorkers, just the tri-state area in general. I, I think the, the the energy from the fan base, from everything that's happened with this organization this offseason, and combine that with a home opener and going up against the, uh, you know, a, a, a very good opponent in the Baltimore Ravens, it has a recipe to be electric. So I expect this crowd to be electric, to be fired up, and uh, I'm going to be in the house, and I can't wait to to watch that game set to, on September 11. Well, uh, we can't wait to see you there. We appreciate. You taking your time after your Peloton ride to catch up with us, and we got to do this again soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on, Eric. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.